Hi, everyone. I'm Abby Berger. Welcome to Let's Rethink This. Today, we're talking with a longtime Independent Center member, Steve White. Steve has had a long journey with his mental health recovery and describes the journey like a phoenix rising from the ashes. We're going to spend some time getting to know him, learning about the importance of safe and supportive housing for those living with a mental illness and what he's up to now. Steve, so, so glad to have you here today on the podcast. Welcome. Thank you. So glad to be here. So you have a pretty interesting kind of winding story of your mental health journey. So let's kind of just start off with that. Let's start off with you telling us a bit about yourself and, and your journey with, with your mental health. I'm not sure exactly where to begin. Um, because I've, I've had issues all my life, but I wasn't diagnosed until age 29. Uh, soon after, I had to drop out of school because my illness was getting so bad. I was working on my PhD in philosophy, which I never got. I did manage to get a bachelor's in psychology from Culver Stockton and a master's in philosophy from Mizzou, University of Missouri, Columbia. And I was working on my PhD in philosophy and as having delusions and depression and anger and everything. Um, some of my delusions were kind of funny. I, 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 could, I could tell something was off, but I, I didn't want to accept, accept that I had a mental illness because of the stigma associated with it. So what I did is I would check with people that I could trust to see if such and such a thing really happened. I was like, had these stories of things that happened that didn't really happen, like confusing dreams with reality. And um, one of the stories is kind of funny. I, one of my delusions was that people could control my thoughts and feelings as well as my behaviors. Uh, I, I should kind of still believe that, but I think that's supposed to be a delusion. And um, <clears throat> I, uh, I thought that they, one of the ways people used to do this, I don't think this anymore, is think people used to be able to do it by hypnosis of some kind. Um, I don't think everybody's ever tried that, but at one point I thought that I had been hypnotized. So I checked with a philosophy instructor that I could trust and said, was I hypnotized at that philosophy party the other day? And he said, no, our philosophy parties have never been uh, that boring that they needed that type of entertainment. They've never been that interesting that they had that type of entertainment either. But anyway, I dropped ahead to drop out of school um, and I had trouble finding work. Um, and once I found a job, I couldn't seem to hold it for more than a month. So my mother kind of uh, twisted my arm, metaphorically speaking, um, and said, you know, either you go get an evaluation by a psychiatrist or psychologist or else I'm kicking you out of the house, basically. Um, and so I did. And um, I was put on some medication that made me feel worse for a little while. And I went to the doctor and talk, told him about it next time. And he said, I think we should put you in, in the hospital while I change your medication and see what effect that has. So I, I went, went in the hospital. They, um, the medicine, they kept me on the medicine I was on initially for a while. I started having Parkinsonism, mus muscular convulsions. I couldn't control my movements of my own body. I was moving involuntarily. And um, they... Uh, 
So they took me, they put me on a, a side effect medicine, which had side effects of its own. It caused blurry vision, difficulty urinating. Um, and then I tried some other med, put me on the medicines. Mostly I'm on now, I'm on two additional meds now that I wasn't on then, but those two medicines that they initially put me on have worked for me for quite a long time. Uh, just maybe not quite enough that now I need a couple of additional medicines on top of them, seems like, but. But uh, yeah, I, uh, I've had I've had a difficult time with my mental illness. Had issues all my life, like I say. So, Steve, just to put it in perspective for our listeners, um, you said you were diagnosed when you were twenty nine. How old are you now? I'm in my late fifties. Okay, so that was a while ago. You know, drugs have progressed, and and treatments have progressed so much during that time. So, when you first were diagnosed what, what was available to you, like, or what was happening for you to receive treatment? Actually, when I was in the hospital, I heard about independent center from the social worker there. There was another member who was in the hospital at the same time who told me about it. And when I brought it up to my doctor later on, actually it was a different doctor because the one I initially had was uh, and left to, to uh, become a big fish in, in, in a smaller pond, bigger fish in a smaller pond. So he referred me to this other guy and um, he thought it would be a de- he, he thought it'd be an okay okay thing to go to Independence Center too. So. so when you first came to Independence Center, what did you think of it? Like what was your first reaction? Well the first tour I had wasn't really all that good of a tour because it was kind of like, well, this is a copy machine and this is a bathroom and this is a desk or table, filing cabinet. It wasn't much of a tour. So when I, but I, I did end up uh, coming back again. I had a different person give me a, another tour and that person gave a better tour. Um, and originally I was only trying to get away from my parents because I was a 29-year-old man living with my parents, which is not a good situation whether you have a mental illness or not. And um, I, uh, I, would, I would come to the clubhouse, do one little attendance task, then sit outside and read science fiction until lunchtime, go inside and eat lunch, and then go home. Um, and it, I do quite a bit of reading on my way home, too, because I had to wait on the buses to take me home. I did not have a car when I first started coming here. I don't have a car now either, actually, but um, for a while I had a car. Anyway, um, I just started doing more and more work in the clubhouse. The staff saw that I liked this attendance job, and they suggested I try these other jobs that were similar to it. So I tried those jobs. I I worked on the program report that with statistics that went before the board. Later, I started uh, working in in the, the bank, the member deposit account, even reconciling accounts. I learned how to do that. Um, and then I started doing other things. I started doing some cleaning work, including cleaning toilets occasionally. I still do that sort of thing occasionally on rare occasions. And um, I started giving tours. And it was there that I found out that I liked giving tours. And people told me I was good at it. And so now I'm a tour guide at Gateway Arts. I got a paying job doing that. I've been at the Gateway Arts for uh, eight, between eight and nine years. That's very cool. So tell us a little bit more about the arch. Um, how did you initially get connected with the gateway arch? It sounds like you kind of learned the skill, I guess, learned to appreciate that you 
had a skill for giving tours, but how did that translate into getting a job at the Gateway Arch? Well, it almost didn't. I went there for an interview and I was having problems with, 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 with bid bugs from the apartment I used to have. And I couldn't sleep well, uh, was felt uncomfortable and just didn't interview well. But um, later I was shown the job lead again and I decided to go ahead and apply again. So I did the online application with, with just a little bit of help from one of the staff on one of the questions, particularly the one about how did I hear about the job? I didn't know what to put for that. None of the, none of the answers they had seemed totally correct. But uh, other than that, I filled out the application myself online. I think I might have needed some help uploading my resume too. And I had some help from independents that are putting my resume together. And I had a person, a staff person took me to my interview, but I interviewed on my own. And um, I, I aced the interview. I actually heard, overheard them talking um, when, 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 after the interview was over, I overheard them saying, I like his instincts. You know, one of them said, I like his instincts. So, so, so um, I, I was hired on the spot and then I went for training and training did not go very well. I did not do very well picking up the training after, after the first day was fine. I was just shattering somebody, but my, I, I, I had trouble dealing with my trainer the, 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 uh, for the rest of what, of what was the standard training period. I was slow to, slow to pick things up. Once I picked them up, I was fine, but I was slow to pick things up. I had trouble understanding her. She did like little quiz questions. Sometimes I had, I had trouble interpreting what she was wanting. Um, and so they brought me into the office and said, we think we're going to need a little, you're going to need an extra day or two of training. And that was when I finally disclosed that I had a mental illness and that I was with Independence Center and I had the support of Independence Center. And that I, I told them I really wanted to do a good job. And I've never been in major problems with the police or anything. Uh, and uh, um, and um, so I, I had the extra day, extra couple days of training and I suddenly something kind of switched and it's like, Ah, so this is how you do that now. And we've changed the way we do things at the arts several times since I first started working there. But um, the basic information that I impart has always been pretty much the same. There's been some changes over time, as I say, in our procedures. But. So was the arch receptive to um, your disclosure of your mental illness? Like, how did that conversation go? Were you nervous about it? They were very uh, accepting of that. Uh, and in fact, I told them that I threw, I could get a job coach through Independence Center and um, had a, so I had some job coaches here from, from Independence Center that, that, that were on call to help me out with, with the arts when I needed it. And um, I really only needed help once. Um, I was somewhat symptomatic and I was at work and I was talking to myself, which I was, I was drawn aside and told that, uh, you know, visitors are getting kind of nervous. You're talking to yourself. They, 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 they're a little bit worried. And I said, that's when I said, well, maybe you can call my job coach and she can come talk to me. And so she came and talked to me and calmed me down. And I was fine after that. I'm not sure exactly what the issue was, but I was talking to myself um, as I often do. I've had other job coaches since then, 
from here, but they never had to, had to come to the arts and help me out or anything. They just got acquainted with the art staff and who raved about what a great job I was doing. And I've received a few, some raises since then. I've received some awards since then, including uh, uh, July Employee of the Month, Employee of the Month for, for the month of July this year. Um, and, and a couple of their minor customer service awards, little, little pins and little blurbs of something good that you did or something. And uh, I've also been a tour guide trainer. I can't afford to do that anymore with my present salary because when I train somebody, I get an extra, I get extra pay. But I was, I was a tour guide trainer and one of the persons I trained became uh, my uh, supervisor for a while. She's no longer at the art. She, last I heard, she was out in um, Yosemite National Park in California, uh, preparing to get married and have a honeymoon and everything uh, and get a, get a different job to, to supplement her fiance's income. Um, or now, I guess now they're husband and wife. I, I try to keep in touch with her through email, but she's been kind of busy with, with the wildfires and, and, and her, her honeymoon and everything. So. But we're, we're, we're friends. We've always been friendly, but now we're friends. Yeah, that's so nice. It's nice to build relationships with your coworkers and and have um, their support and just somebody that you can call if you're ever in California. Yeah, I have uh, uh, another coworker I'm friends with. We play chess. He's, he's, he's one of my chess buddies. We have a date to play chess next week. Yes, we should talk about chess. Um you're very good at chess, right? You're like, you have some I'm, championships, right? Um, I've never, I've won some money in tournaments before. I never really won any championships, especially not outright. At one point I did have a win, uh, uh, a, a shared, shared, shared two-way prize, uh, shared prize with one other person for first place in a certain category. That category not being particularly high because I'm not that great of a chess player when it comes to playing people that are in tournaments. I'm better than most people that don't play in tournaments, but um, at best only better than about 40% of those that do play in tournaments are, are almost as good as 40%. I used to say I was very good, but that was when I actually wasn't nearly as good as I am now. So. Well, I'm, I don't even know how to play chess. So you're an expert in my field. Um, you know, my mind, um, I want to go back a little bit to housing to talk about housing. And when, when you first came into services, you said that you were staying with your parents. Um, you were 29 what did your housing journey look like? Did you stay with them for a while or did you move into your own apartment or your own place? I've been in a number of places since living with my parents. Um, I lived at a residential care facility that no longer exists for a while out in Bridgeton. Um, and um, did that for a while. And then I moved into um, shared independent center housing, shared apartments, Holtwood, um, and then Cedar Glen, uh, Cedar, well, what was it? It's on Cedar Glen Drive, Cedar, forget what it was called, but um, Cedar Grove or something, I don't remember. I had, had roommates in those situations. Um, 
And I'm currently living independently at one of independent centers, independent living facilities. Um, sometimes my this stay, being able to stay there has been threatened by the fact that I'm not the cleanliest person in the world. And I have a lot of stuff and a lot of clutter. And one time I was working at the arts more than usual. And so I made much, much less, well, not much less, I, I made less of an effort to, to clean up and, and meet the standards when I was being before an inspection. And um, I kind of had problems around that for a little while, but most, but most of the time it's been okay. But I still, I still have some things I need to work on as far as cleanliness and decluttering goes. Well, we all have our challenges. How do you think it's been beneficial to you to live on your own in independent housing? Well, I don't have my my parents looking over my shoulder all the time, sitting, you know, saying, "Why are you spending so much time upstairs playing on your chess computer? You should be out looking for another job." Or saying, you know, "I don't have don't have that going on for sure." Um, and I can pretty much do what I want when I want. Um, I can call whoever I want when I want. So since it's independent center housing, the people that live in that building with you are also members. Has that been beneficial to you? Uh, I've become friends with them. Um, there's one person, at least one person there that we have a, a shared interest in baseball. I think she's actually more interested in hearing Joe Buck broadcast than she is in, in my Cardinals, but because she loves Joe Buck. But And then I played chess with one of the guys there. And there's another guy there that's just across the hall from me. I have not played chess with, but I've got a date to play chess with him this weekend. The day after a chess tournament I'm scheduled to play. That's a whole lot of chess. But that's nice that you have, you know, nice neighbors and people that are around you that you can connect with and and have shared experiences with. Because that's not always the case Um, in out in the world, you know, sometimes you don't have good neighbors. So that's really great that you do. How do you think that independence center has been beneficial to you over the years? Because right, like you came into services when you're 29, you're in your late fifties now. So I imagine that the types of services and supports that you receive now are really different than when you first came in and how, how has that been for you over the course of your time as a member? Um, there really hasn't been that much difference in terms of services, really. Um, I still come here for structure on my days off work or if I working part of the day, my day before work or my day after work. Um, and I don't, always participate the entire day long in the work order day like I used to. Um, I do enjoy helping out with colleagues uh, when, when they're in town and I enjoy helping uh, interview potential and tour and interview potential staff and working with the, um, the, the students who come through. I enjoy doing that. Um, and I help out with things here still, but um, Sometimes I'm just here checking my email and writing, sending, e- composing emails and sending email or 
writing stories or essays or something, typing up stories and essays, rewriting them as I type. Um, uh, but and I'm just kind of almost one of the roles I have now that I didn't used to have, I guess, is an example of someone who's working a success story, someone who's working, who in Pensioner has helped with employment and, and, and things like that. Employment and housing and socialization are the main things that Pensioner's helped me with. So I have a question about that. I, I think that there's kind of this idea out there that once you are quote unquote in control of your mental health, then you, you no longer struggle with your mental health. So we know that mental illness recovery is nonlinear and there are always going to be times where your mental health is challenged. Um, even if you're doing really well in your recovery. So how have you handled kind of that non-linear recovery path and, and do you feel like you have better coping mechanisms or are more reliant on the community at independent center to help you through those times i still need the structure of the clubhouse so i don't isolate at home too much on my days off and um i um i have been going ahead was going to a support group i don't have good transportation there currently but i was going to a support group at christian northeast Originally, it was at Christian Northwest Hospital, which no longer exists. Now it's at Christian Northeast Hospital, pretty far away from here. For a while, even last a couple of years ago, I was going out there. They had a taxi, so they had a taxi voucher system, but they currently don't have that now. They're just now starting the group up again, but they don't have the taxi thing going yet. So I am unable to attend there now. But that that I always found that helpful, um, and also. Um, if I'm just continuing to think about things and 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 be introspective and self-aware and gain self-awareness has been helpful. I've come to realize that you know I've been living for quite a while there. I was living in the past a lot, and um, I was angry at the various types of abuse I've received. I received several types of abuse when I was younger, and. I was angry, so angry about that. I was eating myself up inside and it was hurting me a lot more than it was hurting anybody else. And um, except maybe the people I was around and kind of gruff with maybe or something, but um, they, uh, um, I've, I've realized that, you know, I, that's, that's over with now. And, and, and there are people that understand me now around people that, that understand me and appreciate me now. Um, one of the people that have, understood me and appreciated me the most is no longer alive. Unfortunately, he, he, he died uh, a while back. Um, and so did my, the psychiatrist I had before this one that was very understanding, one of my favorite psychiatrists of, of all of them that I've had. Still getting used to the new one. Yeah, it takes time to have, you know, build really good, strong relationships with new people. And it sounds like you have really strong relationships. You have strong supports in a psychiatrist, in the clubhouse community, um, in your work community. What are maybe some other aspects for you that are important um, in terms of caring for your mental health? Like how do you care for your mental health when you realize you're starting to struggle a little bit? 
usually the first thing I do is check to make sure I've been taking my medicines and I may check and see, oh, I've been skipping my medicines. I didn't mean to do that. I'd start taking my medicines again. Occasionally I might call my psychiatrist. I, I often reach out to my friends and family when I'm struggling. Uh, occasionally I may call helplines, uh, warm lines, hot lines, whatever they are, helplines um, and, and that sort of thing. But I, I, I often continue those strengths of the community. And then too, I, I, uh, when I feel like nobody's caring about me, I start thinking about, now, wait a minute, wasn't I just told the other day about, you know, something, this person really appreciating me doing something for them, you know, and, and so I'm not, and that makes me feel better. I sometimes feel like I'm a bad person because when I was being abused, at some point I started sort of fighting back, actually it might've been worse than, than the abuse I was receiving in some cases because uh, it was all piling up and I hadn't let it all out before. Um, but, um, yeah, I think it takes some time and it takes, um, it's, I, I can tell that you've done a lot of work on yourself because when you said, I have these thoughts and then I check them to make sure that those are real thoughts, or if it's just something, you know, I'm kind of spinning out about it. So I can tell that you have really invested a lot of time in understanding yourself, having that introspective nature of understanding your illness and managing it effectively. And so I think that's, it's really wonderful. And it's, it's cool to hear in this conversation, how self-aware you are of your diagnosis and then all of the coping mechanisms that are available to you. Thank you. I think too, I wanted to ask you about, um, this, this misconception about people returning to work when they are living with a mental illness. It sounds like you have had a lot of success going back to work, working at the gateway arch, becoming a trainer, um, winning some awards and, and getting that recognition and those accolades. So what would you say to somebody who believes that someone living with a mental illness is not capable of returning to work? I'd say it's difficult for someone with mental illness to return to work sometimes, uh, but it's doable. Uh, a lot of times it's difficult because of lack of self-confidence. That was true of me to a large extent. I, uh, or even having had bad ex work experiences in the past and just or, or just not being a happy person. It's hard to work when you're unhappy. Um, and But a person may not be ready for it now, but somewhere down the road they may be. Just it's important to feel needed in everything, and that's what the clubhouse provides is helping a person feel needed and supported. And uh, um, it's, it's possible, it's doable. It's, it's a lot of times people think people with mental illness don't want to go to work, but really it's just, they're afraid of either failure or success or both. Um, afraid that they may lose their, they may fail on the job and didn't feel bad about themselves again, or they may be so successful they get off of benefits and then not, not being able to get them back. When, when, when they lose their benefits, um, those are real genuine fears and understandable fears. And, but, but, people, but I know a lot of people with mental illness around Independence Center, 
and and some of my friends from my support group you know have worked and want to work uh and my um i have relatives that have mental illness and they have worked they 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 have worked or at least are trying to work from time to time um and people can people with mental illness can succeed in working Probably companies hire a lot of people with mental illness that they don't know that they have a mental illness because because it's they're 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 managing their symptoms so well while they're at work. Yeah, I think you're right. I think a lot of people. I mean, one in five people have a mental illness, and if you look at that statistic, that means that a lot of companies have people living with a mental illness working for them. And, and so you're right. It is absolutely possible. So my last question is something I've asked all of um, the guests that have come on the podcast. And it is, if you could debunk one myth about mental illness, what would it be? One myth about mental illness that I'd like to debunk is the belief that if you have a mental illness, all of your problems are a result of your mental illness. It's not true. You could have a physical illness like asthma, like I do, or you could have a, you could have a bad day now, and then it's not because of your mental illness. Everybody has bad days, whether they have a diagnosis or not. And you could just be having a bad day, and it's not, it's not a symptom of your mental illness. Or you, some, somebody um, mistreated you that day or something, and you or are you having trouble with bureaucracy or something? I've had a lot of trouble with bureaucracy and that can make, that can, that can, that can put you on edge a little bit. It's not necessarily because of my mental illness all the time. Maybe sometimes it is, I don't know, but. Yeah, that's a, I think that's a good point. And it is, I think that's pretty common for people to say, oh, they had mental illness. It must've been their mental illness rather than really looking at the, the whole picture and seeing what else is going on because you're right. It's, it's not fair and it's not accurate to blame, um, a mental illness all the time. So I think that's a good point. Well, I want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your story. Every time we have somebody share their experience living with a mental illness, my hope is that there's somebody out there listening. Um, who can find comfort knowing that their experience is shared by others and that you can make a, a mental health recovery that you can do it. You can go back to work. You can accomplish what, whatever you're wanting to accomplish. It's kind of just figuring out what are the right supports and what do I need to be successful and, and how can other people support me in that? So I so much appreciate you coming on the show. Um, we're going to put a couple of things in the show notes that we talked about today. So if you want to learn more about Steve or his experience, you can check out the show notes. You can also give us a follow on Instagram. Our handle is at let's rethink this pod for more information about upcoming guests and topics. We would also love for you to start sharing our social media posts to your family and friends. Um, we are trying to continue to grow this podcast and grow our listenership. So the more that you guys share out the stories and the episodes, um, the more people that we can impact with our message. So we really appreciate you following us, um, sharing the stories 
and, and letting people know that they're not alone in their experience with mental illness, um, or mental health challenges. If you yourself are struggling with a mental illness or a substance use disorder, go to our website, www.independentcenter.org for a list of local and national resources. Steve, thanks so much again for being on the um, show today. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, everybody. Talk to you next week.